This is WTN University. The advancing church. Without it, history proves there can be no political freedom for any, let alone all. 1009, I'm Michael Del Giorno, and our headmaster and professor for this entire course of WTN University that wraps up today has been and is Kevin Kukaji. And I've said this several times throughout this course. If you've missed any of the classes, I think this is 27. I seem 28. To, I get it off by one every time. Yeah. Uh, 28. It is our longest WTN University class in history, and I have said this several times, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I think it is the most important radio I've ever done. Uh, so if you want any of these past classes, maybe do it as a family. They're all online at advancingchurch.com. Go in the media section, hit radio, and you will see all of our classes. And it has been an amazing journey. And and what I'm proud to tell you, and um, I think of William Federer's book, uh, too, when I say this. If you're an atheist, if you're a Jesus freak, if you're a Republican, if you're a Democrat, I hope this course has challenged the way you look at everything from poverty and addressing poverty. To, I mean, so many highlights throughout this course, but I hope we proved our thesis uh, that we were intended to be a moral people driving a vehicle of a constitutional republic and government of laws with the people as king and no earthly kings and ultimately in submission to God and our creator's authority and not the authority of men. I hope you see uh, that without an advancing church, and I think you know, if anybody's listening right now and you think we have an advancing church, if you think this cultural Christianity fraud, and we're in the middle of it in Tennessee, looks even remotely like the body of Christ in the book of Acts, you're not being honest with yourself. We have a timid, hiding, silent, irrelevant, trampled upon, as Jesus used the analogy, because that's what they did with salt when it lost its saltiness. And their day, it was gravel. Very good for it, quite frankly. Uh, but we have ceased being light, salt. We've ceased to be advancing. We're in hiding. And the enemy's been advancing. And the enemy should be l- worried about light, should be worried about salt that preserves, should be worried about a church empowered, armed, and, and fighting for truth and righteousness. But I hope that all of you know that whether you're an atheist or a Christian, Without an advancing church, there's no political freedom for anyone. Kevin, it's been a great course. I know we got to finish up with our last few questions, but um, today is commencement. Yes, Thank it is. you for the commitment. This had to be a lot of work. Uh, it, it was, but I, as I've told you a couple of times through the year, I really appreciate the opportunity because it's given me um, a great satisfaction and it's given me a place to archive Everything that I believe to be true on these issues. That's the second time you brought that up. Are you not dying of cancer or something I'm unaware of? (laughs) No, I'm not dying. That we're documenting your teaching and voicing once and for all. (laughs) No, I'm not dying of cancer. You look too healthy to be dying. Ah, when to the heart of man was it ever less than a treason? To go with the drift of things, to yield with a grace to reason, and bow and accept the end of a love or a season. 
How fitting it is to begin our last lesson of the 2016. That's just a dig at me. With the poetry you know of Robert Frost. On that note, I'm getting another donut. <laughs> Keep talking. Your listeners are uh, surely by now aware of maybe not so lighthearted disagreement on the value of poetry. So I determined to take one parting shot using one of your own heroes, John F. Kennedy, a man who would be deemed too patriotic even by Republican standards today. Jack Kennedy was perhaps the last Democrat who understood the necessity of reducing taxes in order to unleash the American creative and entrepreneurial spirit. It is without question that, despite his personal failings, President Kennedy loved America and saw her, as we do today, as the last best political hope for man on earth. In October of 1963, less than one month before he was assassinated, John F. Kennedy was invited to speak at Amherst College to memorialize this great American poet, Robert Frost, that I just quoted. Kennedy captured the essence of poetry when he said, Where power leads men towards arrogance, poetry reminds him of his limitations. Let me repeat that. Where power leads men towards arrogance, poetry reminds him of his limitations. This entire series of lessons and discussions concerning the duty of the church in political affairs is rooted in our conviction that all power and authority comes from God. When government remains within its proper limits, subject to its true authority, it brings glory to God by assuring freedom and justice for all. But when power intoxicates those who wield it, the people of God have a duty, a unique responsibility, in fact, to remind the state of its limitations. This is why I love poetry. Good poetry gets to the heart of the matter by exposing the truth about the human condition. Poetry provides moral clarity, a glimpse of truth to all those who will accept it, and a foundation upon which we might recover what T.S. Eliot suggested has been lost and found and lost again and again. For only when we recognize our true condition are we fit to see where we are, and only when we see where we are can we begin to head in the right direction. If one does not recognize he is at the precipice, he is just as likely to advance over it and only lucky if he turns. Yet when one believes what is true, the path to safety is obvious. So over the last two weeks, we've devoted our time here to answering some of the most common questions posed by listeners and those who read my essays on the subject of Christians and politics. We've tackled why Christians must be well-informed and engaged in the political arena, why taking sides cannot be avoided, whether our founding fathers intended to establish a Christian nation, and how proper political engagement is indeed an expression of obedience to God. We addressed the threats to religious liberty, dispelled the myth that politics can be separated from our beliefs, and we explained why the body of Christ must be engaged in political affairs. Answers to these questions and more can be found on the website, advancingchurch.com, with audio on the homepage or under the radio section. You can also find transcripts and related essays under a section we've cleverly identified as the pulpit. For anyone wishing to continue these studies, I'm actually going to be podcasting more of this in the weeks to come. Um, you can get that at iTunes under the Advancing Church. But before we examine the remaining unanswered questions, I would be remiss if I did not once again thank you, Michael, for this incredible opportunity to teach freely and unedited what I believe to be true on your show, taking your valuable airtime. I'd I'll, love to take credit, but I don't know how we got away with it. But we did. Well, I, 
<laughs> Maybe, unless somebody That's cuts, how honest I am. Unless someone I don't know. Somebody asked me cuts just... off the mic today. No, but somebody just asked me the other day. They, um, actually, Spike O'Dell, who is a, a radio legend from WGN, now lives here and retired. I'm so glad God brought him into my life. I think we're going to have a great friendship. Um, but he said, man, I'll tell you, you know, you and I have so much in common. Our love for God. He married a preacher's daughter. Uh, but Just how, like me, you know. He, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I did not know that. Uh, but he... Um, he he made the statement. It's probably the single biggest statement I always get, which is, I don't know how you get away with what you talk about with the gospel. And I said, you know what? I don't have an answer for that other than I will tell you this. Uh, I think that the issues today uh, make it relevant, number one, um, and I never bring it up when it's not. So I always bring it up in, in a context that is relevant. I'm just not afraid to bring it up, and I'm not afraid of the consequences. I have had in this company— for a very brief time, a vice president who said he wanted it stopped, and I didn't. And he's gone, and I'm still here, so I'm safe, I guess, for the moment. But I never do it in the flesh. I only do it in the spirit, and I only do it as it's relevant. I will admit it's unique. Sometimes even I'm awkward. I've apologized to a few of these classes that, you know, this is really inappropriate for secular radio. But you know what? You can't get it at a university, and you can't get it in your school, and you're probably not getting it in your church. So, you know, it's not my fault. It's inappropriate. Um, but I will tell you, I don't know how we get away with what we get away with, but we did, and it's now graduation. We have a couple of questions to answer, and it's official. Yeah. Oh, I, there's it, three guys with a gun coming towards us, too. <laughs> well, just to finish that, I will forever be indebted to you, Michael, for your encouragement and your support, and I hope to come back from time to time in the future if you'll have me on important issues. Absolutely. Now then, to the questions. We are up to question number nine of ten. This question is, what is the importance of voting and participating in politics? Well, voting is very important, although uninformed or ill-informed voting can do more damage than not voting at all. Political candidates and policy will indeed impact the church, the body of Christ in America. The worldview and character of the next commander-in-chief will mean the difference between keeping or losing our religious liberties. Keeping or losing our right to bear arms, which are indispensable, by the way, to securing those liberties and keeping or losing our sovereignty as a free and independent nation. It is naive and dangerous to pretend that these matters will leave the church or anyone unaffected. But political action is not limited to voting. Political movement occurs when citizens are willing to hazard their lives to defend eternal truths, including the understanding that rights come from God and that governments are instituted to secure them. Don't forget our first two classes. where we address that, the two examples that prove our thesis. Poland and the Philippines. Yeah, and, and, and that wasn't about knowing what was right, believing what was right. That was about living it, risking it all, ultimately, in many cases, their lives. Um, that's the difference between, um, I love to teach this Bible study all the time, there's a difference between acts of devotion and a life, and a heart, and a mind, and a soul, and a purpose of devotion. Um I I don't know how I do on a daily basis as a husband, only my wife does, Uh, but I can view it two ways. I can get up and clean the kitchen as an act of devotion. In other words, I cleaned the kitchen before you could. That proves I love you. Or I have a heart that is totally devoted to my wife in every aspect, physical, emotional, uh, whatever. And that's just a natural byproduct of being that way. I honor her, I cherish her, I'm devoted to her. If anything, I'm haunted by the things I didn't think to do. But it's the difference between acts of devotion and a life of devotion. In our first two classes and in our first two examples of without 
an advancing church, there could be no political freedom. We found people that weren't doing acts of devotion, protests of devotion, or statements. These people really believed it, and they were willing to die for it. And in many cases, they did. That's a whole different animal. And um, America hasn't rebirthed or awakened or reengaged to that level by any means. Yeah, and remember, in both Poland and in in, in the Philippines— in those instances, they didn't have any Second Amendment protections. So they were taking to the streets knowing full well that they could be crushed by the authorities, and yet they still proceeded toward them, bringing crosses and food. All right, number 10, and this has a longer answer, so if we get cut off in the middle, I'll come Let me back just, and, can I dust out yeah. nine first? Uh-huh. Um, I know that all voting is not the same. Uh, an ignorant, unaware, emotional, easy to be pandered to or whisked into a movement. Are you saying that, you know, voting in is in participation is both important, that participation or this devotion, really, an understanding of the full 3D of citizenship is ultimately as important. Are you suggesting, though, that ignorant voters actually do more harm? They and we'd, can. We'd and rather them not. Yeah, they absolutely can do more harm. If you don't know what you're voting for, and why you're voting for it. I I think that's what happened with some of the Obama. You know, the the Obama factor was people thought they were voting for someone innocent, and they thought that we were establishing racial purity for our country or, you know, forgiveness of our racial sins in the past. They had no idea who Obama was. Right. It would have been better off for us if they had, if they had, if those people had stayed home. Or as I I always said, they were all taken by the cover of the cereal box and nobody read the ingredients. Right. All right, more of WTN University, our final class of the Advancing Church Without There Could Be No Political Freedom next with Kevin Kukaji and our final question and then uh, a a total summation for the course. And I hope you've enjoyed it uh, nearly as much as we have. And we pray that God continues to use it. Tommy, can we just skip the, I don't need the, our time is too precious. Uh, Final class of WTN University, the Advancing Church Without There Could Be No Political Freedom with our professor, Kevin Kukaji. Question number 10 and the final one. Wait a minute, wait a minute, timpani. And the final question from either enemies or classmates is How do we seek what is best for America as well as seeking the kingdom of God? Well, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and all these things shall be added unto you. Since Christ did not qualify the Great Commission, as we discussed in an earlier class, duty demands that we invade all the world and preach the gospel to all of creation, especially those areas deemed political where the church has been chased away in fear. Individual liberty and a free and civil society are best preserved when the church faithfully carries out its obligation to check the power of the state. If the state demands loyalty for that which is God's alone, we cannot retire from the contest. When the state demands loyalty for what is God's, the church cannot hide from the conflict. But blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and say all kinds of evil against you because of Christ. Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In our time, the church has become largely ineffective in the cause of liberty, passively abiding or dangerously collaborating in the expansion of the state beyond its authority. In the face of an increasingly totalitarian state, the present custodians of the church are in retreat, allowing the state to violate, limit, or condition our fundamental rights to life, liberty, property, speech, conscience, and association. Has not the church then allowed what is God's to be rendered unto Caesar? And in so doing, has it not denied God, corrupted itself, and relinquished its authority to the detriment of our liberties and the entire social civil order? 
The church indeed is losing its saltiness as a preserving agent in the culture, yet the church will only diminish for so long as its members fear losing their lives, their fortunes, and as we've discussed many times, their 501c3 status more than their Can souls. Can I just chime in real quick because mm-hmm. it's like a belch? You're going to lose it either way. So risk losing it and fighting where you can have victory or just keep sitting a little bit longer, but they're coming for it all anyway. You don't get out of it alive either way. That's right, Michael. So I hear the music, so we'll pick this up on the other side. Yeah, because I want to talk about, um, you know, I did a whole, by the way, we didn't talk before the class. Mm -hmm. So obviously God knew a theme that was developing before we arrived as mere pawns. Um, But I talked about engagement uh, either not being engaged, you know, in other words, there is no such thing as darkness, it's the absence of light, and then late engagement, and can you arrive and get engaged too late? I wonder how that applies to the advancing church, because we're clearly not advancing, and if we woke up today and start advancing, is it too late? It's a, it's, it's a ten and a half. Uh, it could be a part of this tenth question from the listener, but or maybe my half-last question, but I want to address that in an honest way. Let me add one thing, too. Because past representation, uh, and then... A belief in America that God is no longer relevant, he's no longer worthy of worship or service, he's just one of many gods in a moral relativistic psychology of a country, uh, that it's old, it's traditional, it's like myths, Uh, you know, you wonder if it even has the credibility to resurrect, and then past representatives have represented us poorly as well. Well, what I have brought today to end the class with is an example of what will happen if we do not advance and if we allow the, if we do not engage and we allow the state to advance. It's a very sobering story, which all your listeners will like. Whether at. we're aware or not, God's in control of where this last half hour is going, isn't he? It's ten thirty one. We'll wrap up WTN University, the advancing church. Without there could be no political freedom. Next on WTN. Del Giorno, yes. I know you know this material better than the professor, but at least look interested. <laughs> Miss Petrie didn't like when I got WTN bored. <laughs> on Super Talk 99.7 WTN. I wasn't smart enough to get bored. You know, it's interesting. Um, people probably wonder, what do these two godly, intelligent men talk about during the break? Why it's called W instead of double V. Those are the things that we just... <laughs> All right, let's try to wrap up. WTN, I think it's the most important radio I've ever done uh, and the most important uh, teaching with uh, our devotion to God and devotion to country. And there was a time when we were God, family, and country uh, that I've ever done on the radio. And uh, it's, this is a tough one to wrap up. I, I, I will wrap it up by saying, if you missed any of the 28 classes, go to advancingchurch.com. And under the radio section, you'll find all of them and do them together, do them often, do them as a family. Um, I do have something I want to say about is it too late, but uh, we're kind of in question 10 and wrapping up our final question and then our final thoughts on the entire uh, course. And our professor is doing it. His name is Kevin Kukaji. Thank you, Michael. Well, amidst all of these headwinds, one thing, uh, one note of encouragement that we can take is that evil is indeed powerless when the church is unafraid. And although the church has recently wavered, allowing herself to be pushed to the margins of life, I believe the church will once again rise to reclaim her duty, to speak truth to power, to preserve knowledge of God, to defend the authority of Scripture, to the glory of God, and for the preservation of a free and civil society. For the church, the body of Christ is eternal and shall not retreat. In the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, she stands not at the boundaries where human powers give out, but in the middle of the village, 
boldly advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ unapologetically and unconditionally, proclaiming liberty throughout the land and liberty to all people. The only question then is this, will the church stand here idle, believing that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery, or will she once again embrace her sacred duty? In the inimitable words of Dorothy Sayers, Lady, lady, will you come away with me? Was never man lived longer for the hoarding of his breath. Here be dragons to be slain, here be rich rewards to gain, and if we perish in the seeking, why, how small a thing is death. For precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Now, if you will allow, I would like to close our time together by reading from a quirky little book that I wrote a few years ago. From time to time, people reach out to advise me that what I suggested back in 2010 is becoming more of a reality today. And while I'm, of course, humbled and flattered to hear those things, it is sobering. And so I want to tell you to tell me if you agree. By the way, this book comes with pictures to illustrate, and you can follow along. Actually, when I read this, Michael, you can follow along in the back because I've got it laid out in the back. Please tell me you don't draw as well. I art direct. All of these are in my mind, but when my hand goes to draw them, it doesn't come out that well. I can't handle another skill that you Um, might have in your arsenal. I cannot draw. My children can draw. I can can tell the the artist that I had do these exactly what I wanted, but I couldn't make my hand do it. Um, And by the way, this book is also available on my website. It's all available at Amazon.com. Not me. I got it free. So if you want to follow along in the back, um, this takes about five minutes. To get through. Is that okay? Do we have? Absolutely. Okay. To all good men who have replaced true religion with their worship of the state, who have abandoned curiosity, who have ascribed moral superiority to the government despite its aims to limit freedom and happiness, who have eschewed self reliance in favor of dependence on a panel of administrative geniuses, and who have allowed all sorts of evil in the name of peace, I give you the experts. In search of perfection, the facts they ignore, in hopes you'll believe we've not seen this before. Extreme situations they are, and therefore there must be more central control. In search of perfection, the past is outgrown, destroying tradition, remaking their own. A crisis requires a great chaperone. There must be more central control. In search of perfection, their mandates increase, redoubling pursuit of chimerical peace, Injustice requires that freedom decrease, the hope of more central control. In search of perfection, don't make a mistake. They'll nationalize every profit you make, and everything else for the good they will take to realize central control. In search of perfection, the king condescends with words and more words and more words he pretends, unconscionable means justified by the ends of gaining more central control. In search of perfection, they lecture us more, convinced they're the ones we've been waiting for, intent on utopian dreams to restore and seizing more central control. In search of perfection, they're propped on a perch, while casting aspersions, good names they besmirch, the harshest contempt they reserve for the church, while worshiping central control. In search of perfection, there's no need to vote, with freedom secured by a boot to the throat, And no need for virtue, for risk is remote, the fruits of more central control. In search of perfection, the ones who know best, from ivory towers in bow tie and vest, pontificate smugly disdain for the West, self-righteous with central control. 
In search of perfection, it's all within reach. The climate, your health, and political speech. Ignore your religion and what it may teach. Salvation is central control. In search of perfection, restrained not a speck. These planners proceed without balance or check. The heirs of Rousseau bleed contempt for Hayek and dream of more central control. In search of perfection, we all rest secure. The government's motives are certainly pure. If not for the curious, they could assure fulfillment through central control. In search of perfection, they spare no expense to mete out your substance without consequence. Concern for the poor, a parade of pretense, this vanity, central control. In search of perfection, they really do care, purloining your assets for others to share. Unbending, inflexible, strict doctrinaire, these guards of more central control. In search of perfection, increasing the hedge, the more the resistance, the harder the edge. It's all for your good, and we care, they allege, obsessed with more central control. In search of perfection, they war through the night, with peace a disguise for a radical fight. For all that is wrong against all that is right, the cure is more central control. In search of perfection, contending in vain, against the unchangeable blindly they strain, for year after year, from campaign to campaign, relentless for central control. In search of perfection that doesn't exist, when argument fails, they resort to the fist, that cowardly brand of the true atheist, insane for more central control. In search of perfection they do what they do, though never content with the ends they pursue. The lie of the false is that true isn't true, the end of all central control. In search of perfection the battle is done. Resign your defenses, the experts have won. Consigned to the dustbin of history, my son. I don't know if that's a summary, by the way, of this entire presidential process and election cycle <laughs> or this course, but uh, beautifully written. The experts, uh, if you want a copy of that, written by Kevin Kokaji. I pose the question, is it too late? Um, you know, I'll answer my own question and then I want to get your insights. Uh, the answer lies in the future and I'm not a soothsayer. Uh, but I, and I'm, nor do I rhyme and make poetry. So, But it'd be nice if I'd have had a second line that rhymed with sayer. Um, I will say this, that biblically, uh, it's never too late individually or collectively. In other words, whether or not the collective soul and majority and totality of U.S. citizens will repent, will become moral, will understand God authority and man authority and self-governance versus centralized governance, whether or not we lose our republic, the future holds that. But always individually, we are called to that purpose, and we are called to that level. Now, the Bible instructs in Second Chronicles 7.14, and it's crystal clear, that never mind the Bernie Sanders followers, never mind the atheists, never mind the militant gays, if my people will humble themselves. That suggests that you and Kevin and I and collectively as the body of Christ, not American citizens, have a pride issue. Whether that pride manifests in, oh, that'll never happen here like it's happening in Europe, or that'll never happen here like it happened in Rome. That'll never happen here like it happened in Syria. Whatever that pride is, maybe that pride is you caring more about what people think than what God thinks, what our founding fathers might think looking down on us and what they gave us. But I know that if my people will humble themselves, confess their sins, 
this is what scares me to trembling. I'll hear their prayers. That might suggest that we're not there right now, that he ain't even listening to our prayers right now. Then I will hear their prayers. Then I will heal their land. So the game isn't get everybody. The game is, am I going to live a life of devotion to the only God that deserves that devotion and to the country I have sworn myself in proper authority to give that devotion? And if collectively my other brothers and sisters will do, do you see how this course is more relevant than anything else I can talk about? Everything else is consequence delayed but not avoided. This is the most relevant thing. That's why this little poem written seven years ago is so relevant in this presidential cycle. This is the heart of the this is the heart of the matter. This is the heart of the solution. So I will tell you, do I think America is going to confess its sin, repent, and make the personal sacrifice to live Christ's life instead of their own? I absolutely do not. Do I think collectively we are as a country? I absolutely do not. Do I think the fall of America has anything to do with the fall of mankind or the return of Christ? Absolutely not. But I know this. I know his promises are real. And if I do, and if Kevin does, and if you do listening, and if his body, his bride will do so, he'll heal this entire land. So the absolute scriptural, spiritual, American, constitutional, and real answer is absolutely not. It is too late. We have gotten here through disobedience, through sin, through ignorance, and through apathy. And we don't deserve to be able to get our way out of this, and we're certainly not going to get out of it in a moment. We didn't get into it in a moment. But biblically, absolutely, it's not too late. That this nation, under God, can return under God, and can once again be indivisible, and can once again preserve and protect justice for all, liberty and justice from God for all. But only first... When believers, only first, when the church, only first, when the advancing church confesses its sin, that it is not advancing, it is not devoted, it is ignorant, it is apathetic, and it's in sin. Not until then. But if, according to Second Chronicles 7.14, the same God yesterday, today, and forever, the same God of our founding fathers can restore this to one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And I hope in any small way, just a seed in Nashville, Tennessee, this course has helped that. I'm going to give our professor a final thought on a great course, the most significant radio I've ever done, The Advancing Church. Without it, there can be no political freedom when we conclude next. Boy, time flies when you're telling the truth. So much for 29 weeks and 29 courses in The Advancing Church. Without it, there can be no... twenty. What was it? 28. 28 classes. We went from 27 to 29 in this class. I missed 28. (laughs) 28 uh, classes of the advancing church. Without there can be no political freedom. Well, I gave my final say. What's yours? Well, Michael, thank you again for this opportunity. It's been a privilege, and I hope that the listeners are encouraged that Christians do not, (laughs) we don't have to sit on the sidelines. We actually have a duty to be engaged. You have a lot of other people advancing their ideas. We are the ones that are to be on the advance. The rest of the world needs to be in retreat to truth, and it's the only way we will recover any sense of order in America. You know, there was a moment when the Tea Party movement, and I know because I was asked to be the headline speaker at the Municipal Auditorium for God in America Tea Party event, and 20 people showed up. 
Uh, when I realize, I'm just not interested in anything, any candidate, any one individual. I'm interested in the nation, a people, a dutiful people. And I'm interested in movements of morality with God included as a solution for our republic that was centered around God's authority. And anything else is just a movement I'm not interested in. You'll take away a lot of different things from this course, but I'm glad you had the chance to have it for 28 weeks. Thank you. Let's talk about presidential politics after the news.